The NBA trade deadline has come and went a flurry of trades, but not anything too, too crazy. Patrick and I are going to cover that. We got our hot streak shooting slump and a little preview for the rest of the NBA season. Let's get into foul trouble. My favorite days of the year just passed. How was your trade deadline day, James? My trade deadline day was pretty good. You know, I was excited to see all the trades. I was excited to see. I think we did our prediction pod. Three of the guys I put up for potentially getting trade got traded. Um, the Wizards held on to Kuzma. The Bulls inexplicably held on to Drummond. The, the Bulls held on to, to everything. Everybody. Yeah. The Bulls are like a five-year-old that just got a <laughs> bunch of new toys. They and, grabbed it by the horns and just didn't let go. Exactly. <laughs> Um, where do you want to start? Well, I feel like the big, big trade of the day, oddly, was the Knicks trading for Bojan Bogdanovich, which was one of the ones we talked about. Um, so the Knicks pick up Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. They give up Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, the big contract they've been trying to get rid of forever. Ryan Archie Diacono. Yeah. I got you. Whoa. I got you, Ryan. Dang. Okay. That was pretty impressive, Patrick. And two second round picks. So... Uh, I mean, this is a great trade for the Knicks. You're getting another offensive option, another kind of release valve for Brunson when things get a little bogged down, especially while Julius Randle's recovering from his shoulder separation. Yeah, two 40% three-point shooters. The I, I mean, I think in general, this is really great value for what you're sending out. And Quentin Grimes, who is an interesting young player, but definitely flawed, I think, the odds are of his career, he's probably going to be more of a, a bench guy than mm-hmm. ever a starter. And you get Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, who are guys who have play have a little like Boyan has a good amount of playoff experience. Alec Burks has a little bit. But what I really love about this trade is Boyan, at least in Detroit, the numbers would suggest has fallen off a little bit on the defensive end, and I was worried for him as a trade target that he would be going to an environment where they'd be depending on him a lot. The great thing about this Knicks fit is he's going to be coming off the bench. So all he really has to do is score. And if there's ever a situation where teams start picking on him or uh, like just treating him as a pigeon, they can just take him out. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, I like this trade a lot for the Knicks. Not because it's like Bojan's this missing piece, but it, it kind of goes back to these teams where it's like, in one series, maybe you start Bojan. And then maybe the next series, Bojan plays eight minutes a game. But you see that a lot in the NBA playoffs, right? Like last year, first round, the Lakers are playing Vanderbilt. Heavy, heavy minutes. Second round against the Warriors or, or against the Nuggets. It's like all of a sudden, it's like, all right, maybe Vanderbilt doesn't play this three. But having that versatility where depending on the matchup, you can play different lineups, I think is really helpful for a team like the Knicks that at this point, the way the East is kind of crumbling, you know, Milwaukee's been awful since Doc got there. Uh, the Sixers have been awful without Embiid. The Celtics are kind of showing some cracks in the armor. This is the year where the Knicks, you know, you're probably not going to win the East, but you could. You could. Absolutely. So you're there now. You're there that the Knicks in the could current state win of the, the East. East. I'm I'm kind of there, yeah. Okay, yeah, cuz I am definitely there too. A, a top 8 of the way Brunson's been playing, Randall, Robinson, OG Hart, DiVincenzo, Bojan and Hartenstein and that's not even talking about guys like Adeus McBride or Alec Burks who they just reacquired who has a lot of history with Tibbs. Um yeah, like when did the Knicks become a smart team? I guess whatenever Leon Rose and Wesley took over, just sneakily getting there, chipping away at it. 
Um, yeah, no. So that's a that's a slam dunk trade for the Knicks. So you you look at what they traded throughout the season versus what they got. They received Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, OG Ananobi, and Precious Achua, basically, for Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Ryan Archidiacono, and three second round picks. Like, like just- if I'm being like really optimistic Knicks fan, Patrick, like the only player you really gave up throughout all of that that you kind of care about is Quickly. And I know people are gonna be like, what about Barrett? Barrett again, like he's such an underwhelming player, and and especially as an asset. As an asset, also Barrett was kind of on a big contract. So if Barrett kind of like only marginally improves from this point forward, like that's going to be a bad contract for the Raptors. Like it could have been a bad contract for the Knicks. And I think like if you're a Knicks fan, you basically are like, we got off that contract. We traded quickly, but we got Oceana Novi. Exactly. We got Bojan Bogdanovic. Like. I, I mean, left out Evan Fournier as well. But yeah, you got rid of Evan Fournier, out. and you didn't give up any first-round picks. It's insane. It's insane. This is a masterclass in roster management the, from the Knicks this year. A lot of people have were talking pre-deadline about if they don't end up moving off of Evan Fournier, they might have ended up opting into his contract just to have him as more money going into the next couple transaction cycles. And the... Another like low key great thing about this trade is Bogdanovich makes a little bit more money than Fournier, and he's on the books for next year as well, and is just in general a much better asset in, in his own right. So you've got those eight tradable first round picks going forward. It's just I don't know if Knicks fans should be dancing in the streets. Like the vibes are elite. Tibbs is. Is he the front runner for coach of the year? I guess Dagnalt's there. Yeah, I feel like coach of the year is kind of like a, I feel like coach of the year is this annoying thing. We kind of talked about this when we did our like little like breakdown on the jazz, but it feels like, you know, every month there's like the one team that month that's like, all right, we're the team of the month. We're going to be really, really good. Like Utah was that team. We talked about them. I kind of talked about how like non-playing teams actually will go eight and two during a 10 game stretch. The jazz are four and six in their last 10. Yeah. But at the time, everyone was like, Jazz coach, coach of the year, baby. So I think we just need to let the season play out before we declare the coach of the year, just because the Knicks are on this crazy streak and the Knicks actually have a really cupcake schedule to finish out the season. But you never know. I mean, the impressive thing about what the Knicks have been doing recently, and it's fallen off a a little bit, is just the rash of injuries that they have had. Pretty much all of their main guys have had some series of of games recently that they've had to miss. Is it Patrick more impressive to coach a team like the Knicks to a great record, or is it more impressive to tank a team like the bucks? Because (laughs) (laughs) I think the dog is coach of the year. That's a masterclass in in some sort of coaching, right? (laughs) It's like, it's kind of a net net neutral. If you think of it in a way that like, If Adrian Griffin was that bad, they probably would have been losing those games anyway. So at least you've got the the vibes of Doc Rivers. Yeah. I don't know. My thing is, like, at what point do the players say, like, can we just run the plays we were running before Doc was here? Because, like, we had shit figured out pretty well. Yeah, like, can we bring the other guy back? (laughs) Budenholzer's stock is just, like, skyrocketing ever since he left. I mean, we all knew he was a great coach, but... (laughs) 
All right, well, should we get back to the trade deadline? Yeah, yeah, let's get back to the uh, trade. What deadline. trade do you want to talk about next? Um, why don't why don't we go to Dallas? Let's let's do both of those trades. So Dallas acquired PJ Washington from the Hornets and Daniel Gafford from the Wizards for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, Rashawn Holmes, and basically two first round picks, or at least the control of two first round picks. It's a 2027 first round pick that's going to Charlotte's top two protected. And then a very complicated first round pick. Basically, they swapped, they they gave the Thunder swap rights for their, I believe, 2028 first round pick and received the Thunder's 2024 first round pick for it. And they immediately sent that over to Washington. This is one of the trades that you predicted, mm-hmm. Mavs fan, um, <laughs> with Daniel Gafford going to the Mavs. What do you What do you think? I know you like this love one. this for the Mavericks. I think we talked about like they wanted their tall four who could shoot and kind of defend, and we were like, "Good luck, Mavericks." And the Mavericks were like, "No, we got this. They're going to get PJ Washington." Um, also, Gafford. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I feel like this Mavs team in the non lively minutes were just this defensive disaster class i feel like dwight powell has really fallen out of favor with like mavs fans and like getting another athletic dive big that can play with luca and just having one of those guys on the court at all times and you add just more size with pj because one thing with the mavs is a lot of the traits we kind of pitched for them was like giving them players of the same skills that they already had but just bigger because they're small like hardaway six five they're just playing a lot even grant williams when he was on the team is a power forward but he's like six six this team just needed size, and like PJ Washington, I think is six nine, six ten. So like six seven, six. Oh, he's only six seven. Yeah. All right, well that's an inch taller than Grant Williams, but bigger, plays more down low. I think like yeah, just every every little bit of height counts for a team that like I feel like is susceptible to getting beat up on the boards, getting out physical in a lot of these matchups, and I just think like the Mavericks, just getting more time with quality bigs is so big for this team. Yeah, I'm kind of like half in half out with these two trades together as a package i think the daniel gafford move is a home run like that dude is just he's a beast and he's on a great contract he's on a really great contract contract he's like a great uh points per shot attempt dude he's a, a game changer on defense as well i really love what daniel gafford brings to the mavericks and then PJ Washington is also a, a good player. He's not as good. He's not as big as you think he's going to be. Apparently. <laughs> and he's also not as good of a shooter as you think he's going to be. He's more of a four, but can play five. Shoot, is shooting 32% from three this year, which isn't amazing. But, and it's a step down from what you were getting with Grant Williams. I just worry a little bit. I, I really love the Mavericks when they're kind of spread out. I think the best versions of the Mavericks around Luka that we've seen is like more spread out version of the team. And I worry that like adding, having so much of your, your cap tied up in, in big guys and going forward, it's only going to grow with how much you're going to end up having to pay lively, which it's a little far down the road, but it's something to think about. I'm, I just wonder, like, is the trade-off in shooting and kind of positional flexibility anywhere other than four or five, how is that going to pay off going forward? 
Can I give you a little uh, a little stat thing for come we talked about like the difference between like how, some of these guys shooting? Yeah, absolutely. So PJ Washington, this is another one of those weird guys. When he's four to six feet between the nearest defender, he's shooting twenty seven percent from three. When he's wide open, he's shooting thirty eight percent from three. And what team generates more wide open looks for their power forward than the Dallas Mavericks? None. None. There we go. <laughs> so I think. You'll see Washington's shooting numbers go up on the Mavs because playing with Luka, you're just getting spoon-fed, wide-open, efficient shots when you're a role player for the Mavs. But I do see what you're saying. I think it's kind of tough because we've now seen a lot of reporting that Grant Williams didn't fit in the locker room there. Like, I was really excited for Grant Williams for the Mavericks. So like, was I. He was one of my stock guys. Mm-hmm. I was, like, excited for that. I'm a little confused why it didn't seem to work out. It seems like his confidence is shot. I'm not... Really sure why. I know in the beginning of the season, it was kind of like those Grant Williams and Josh Green, like high energy, Couldn't tough, miss. like don't don't care. Like those were some of the Mavericks best lineups early in the season. So I'm a little like, I don't really get like kind of what happened. I, I Patrick found this story that uh, Grant Williams uh, switched out his Luka shoes for Jason Tatum shoes, which like. I guess that's a big no-no in Dallas. I didn't yeah, know there was I mean, the not a great look. Didn't know there was the Tatum beef there. They're both Jordan athletes. Um, well, there are rumors that like Kyrie <coughs> didn't like Grant Williams, right? And and that Luca didn't like him. Uh, oh, I, I didn't hear that. I, I would not be surprised okay. if that was true. I don't know exactly the report, but I I do kind of remember something like that. But it, regardless, it didn't work out, and they pivoted away. And I just think it's interesting that they went with a completely different four archetype. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like every team is kind of defined by the guy that they play at the four slot. You know, you've got the Suns who, obviously, KD is a seven-footer, but he's almost like a shooting guard yeah. power forward. And then you've got a team like the Timberwolves, where you're playing huge, huge, huge size. So they're, it seems like they're leaning a little bit more into defense, which definitely fits what, what they Jason need. Kidd yeah. is great at as a coach and what they need. Moving forward, though, th- the other thing that I find interesting about this move is seems like this was the Mavs are all in now. They have no more assets. They their future picks that are of it that are theirs is they have they're gonna have their 2025 pick as long as it conveys to the Knicks this year, which it most likely will. And then they'll have their 2026 pick. Neither one of them are tradable because they've traded all of the picks around there. So they're kind of all in from a picks perspective. Right now, as their cap sheet is standing, they're about $6 million away from the first apron. And that's with Derek Jones Jr., who has been really, really great for them, is on a minimum contract. So you assume that they're going to try to bring him back. I'm wondering if they do something with um, with Dante Exum's contract. He's on a non-guaranteed deal next year. He's been really awesome for them. I wonder if they want to restructure and make that a longer-term deal. But this is kind of it. You know, you've got the Prosper trade chip that they could potentially cash in. You've got the Jaden Hardy trade chip. I would assume they're going to keep lively going forward, but this is kind of it. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not what I imagined the team around Luca to be like a superstar point guard and then kind of fill in, in the gaps with, with big guys and other like shifty guards. But 
here here we are. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like quick looking at the standings, assume you know, obviously with the plan, things get jumbled. But if it were the playoffs today, the Mavericks would be matching up against the Timberwolves. Max, how do you feel like as a Timberwolves fan, how do you feel about that series? <clears throat> uh I'm a little bit scared, but not like as scared as I could be. Just because Luca. Yeah, just the, the Luca factor is is always a little bit troubling just because he can do Luca magic things. He seems to have access to another dimension where in the he, playoffs, especially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so that's troublesome, but like if any team is ready to play against Luca, I would say probably. Yeah, I would the say I guess the Timberwolves are maybe the one team where you're kind of like, I think we can stomach it. But I mean, a lot of these other Western teams, like it is kind of scary. Like I think the Nuggets also kind of own the Mavs, but like the Thunder, I think are a better team than the Mavs. But I do think when it's like it slows down a little bit, and it's like I know Shea is fucking awesome, but like we've seen Luka Doncic forty ball Kawhi Leonard multiple times in the same series. Yeah, like he is just a really special player. And if their can, defense can get a little bit better, like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of excited. I would not be happy to play that team. I'm definitely more scared of the Clippers than I am of the Mavs. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers have been dynamite. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm like, whenever we're talking about a team and we're like, oh, yeah, they could score 40 every single game. It makes me think of the Suns last year of like. That's not where you want to be. It's not a sustainable place. Even if you're a guy like Luca, it's just not sustainable. But um, I don't know. We'll see. If if I'm the Mavs, if I'm a Mavs fan, I'm hoping that you can push up into the top six. The one thing with the Mavericks I really want to see going forward, I want to see them use Kyrie a little bit more creatively. Because I watched their game against the Knicks last night, and like Luca's awesome. Kyrie is pretty awesome, but there's just like a little too many possessions where like Luca brings the ball up and Kyrie is standing in the corner with his hands on his knees, kind of watching whatever the, the action with Luca is. And I'm like, is no one going to set like a pin down for Kyrie so he can come up and get space when he catches the ball? Is no one going to run anything for Kyrie? Like is Kyrie just standing there because he's has gravity because he has gravity or is he, is he being lazy or is it that Jason Kidd is not, running anything for Kyrie and it's because in the regular season heliocentric Luka ball like is an offensive engine but like it kind of goes back to that Bucks year where they won the championship it's like we're gonna try some more diverse options in the offense during the regular season to maybe see where where we can get better as a playoff team because my worry for the Mavericks is they're just developing a little too much like not enough creativity with the two-man game they could do with Kyrie and Luka because I thought when they got Kyrie we were gonna see a lot of that kind of LeBron Cleveland era like pick and switch Mm-hmm. that the Cavs ran because I think that's the sneaky thing with Kyrie was like the Cavs ran so much pick and switch with Kyrie and LeBron and it really screwed with defenses because it's like all right do you want LeBron to score on our guard or do we want Kyrie to score on our big because neither option is great for us yeah I just want to see a little bit more of that from the match I, I think you're right and and once you get into the playoffs if you're not already working on stuff like that with how the game slows down in the playoffs, it becomes even harder to implement something like that fresh off a game plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything else about the Mavericks? I think, no, I think at we're... the end of the day, it was bold moves. And when you've got a guy like Luka Doncic, your like, space for error is much larger. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go next? I think we should go to the Thunder. Let's go. It seems okay, like see. everybody and their extended family was screaming out for the Thunder to get a big. Uh, they instead got Gordon <laughs> a Hayward. A big white guy? <laughs> Just a big, a big person. Um, they got Gordon Hayward. They traded 
these names are really escaping. Trey Mann, Vasily Misic, and Davis Bertans. Vasily Micic, that was the tough one. Um, I honestly don't really hate this trade for the Thunder. To be honest, like, I kind of like this trade. I know they didn't address the big, and it seems like you're kind of like, why didn't they get Gafford? That's a little weird. Maybe the salary matching was a little tough because I think Bertans is like on that $18 million deal. I know Gafford was closer to the low teens, so maybe it was... Not Seems really. like maybe they weren't interested in including a first round pick as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, I, I personally think it's going to be really tough for the Thunder, given their big situation right now, to not get eaten alive by some of the bigger teams in the playoffs. Like, I think that's going to matter a lot when we get to the playoffs. But I just I, I don't just be. But this trade in a vacuum, I like Like I, I like picking up Gordon Hayward. Like if Gordon Hayward's healthy, like I like having another body for the playoffs. I think like a lot of the times. You know, we're always thinking like, well, is who's he going to play over in the in the clutch or whatever? But it's like making your bench better is good. Like incremental steps are good. And also, like, you never know with health. Absolutely. I love this move for the Thunder. One of the numbers that I think really defines this trade, you know how many minutes those three ex-Thunder players were playing combined? Probably like none. 27 minutes per game. Gordon Hayward's been playing 31 minutes per game. So it's like it more than covers that right Mm -hmm. there. But Gordon Hayward's been good this year. Like uh, his points per shot attempt has kind of fallen off a little bit, but it's not easy to score when you're surrounded by what the Hornets (laughs) had. And he's still been that great ball mover that I think the Thunder will really be able to use from the four spot. Um, But also he's shooting 36% from three. That is a huge upgrade over Josh Giddy. If Josh Giddy just starts getting shunned come playoff time, which not I'm not talking about in the court of public opinion. <laughs> um, but um, it's like, why not? You know, that's what I feel about this deal. I could see if I told you that Gordon Hayward won the Thunder a playoff game, would you be surprised? One, I mean, I'd be a little, well, I guess I wouldn't, it's like, depending on how you define it, but if it's like, oh, Gordon Hayward scored 26 and they were like all huge buckets because Shea was like bogged down with double teams all game, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a worthwhile roll of the dice once you, once you're in the place that the Thunder are in and it's an old dude, you're a team of young guys. Um, yeah. What do you think? Do you think he could start over Giddy? I think it's one of those maybe things where in a playoff series you see it happen if Mm -hmm. like the matchup needs it or they need shooting or, you know, maybe they're down like three, two and it's like, all right, we got to change something. I could see it there. I don't think he's going to start over Giddy right away. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea. I do like the idea of Giddy being able to kind of be the first guy off the bench, be that guard point forward guy for them. Um, But now gives them. Kind of a, a top eight of Shea, J-Dub, Chet, Dort, Giddy, Hayward, Kaysen Wallace, and Isaiah Joe. You can mix that up a lot just with who you fancy on the Thunder's team. But it, it got me thinking. So the Thunder were kind of the surprise team uh, of how good they ended up becoming. The Knicks, I think, have surprised us all. Which top eight? would you go for which top eight would you rather have be your team in the playoffs the Knicks top eight of Brunson Randall Robinson OG Hart DiVincenzo Boyan and Hartenstein 
or the Thunder's top eight of Shea, J-Dub, Chet, Dort, Giddy, Hayward, Wallace, and Joe? Oh, that is such a tough question because the Thunders is definitely the more talented when you have Shea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better top-end talent, absolutely. I think what just really scares me with the Thunder is just the lack of size. Mm-hmm. I've always been someone who thinks size is really, really important, especially when we get to the playoffs, especially what we saw in the Western playoffs last year where, lo and behold, the two big teams were the ones in the finals. Absolutely. Uh, for the conference finals. And, like... Man, it's it's tough because I de- like Shea is by far the best player across the two teams, and I love the shooting that they've kind of put around him. I think I would just go with the Knicks, though. I would too. Yeah, I would too. It, like you've got the the best number one guy, but like I don't know. I guess you might have the best top two guys. Like I would probably take J Dub over Julius Randle, even though Julius Randle can be really good, really yeah. good, just as effective, but. Honestly, three through eight, I'm probably going with the Knicks every single time. Um, I don't know. Really impressive. Super fun for these two. You know what's crazy is I think you could even argue three goes to the Thunder too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Chet's really good, man. But it is that kind of thing where it's like the Knicks are just really tough, really physical. I think for a young team, this Thunder team is unique and it doesn't seem like they're going to take shit. They're going to get intimidated. This team really doesn't seem like they get flustered. But it's I, that that Knicks team. I mean, we'll see. Maybe we're a little too high on the Knicks because even right now we're saying like, all right, the Thunder have the best two players in the series. Usually you win the series when you have the best two players in the series. But mm-hmm. you know what? The Knicks beat the Cavs last year pretty handedly. And I would say Donovan Mitchell's would be the best player on the Knicks. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, if you asked me last year, I would have probably said Garius Garland. I, I would have rather had than Jalen Brunson even. Not this year, though. Not this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 but Not last this year, year, for sure. Last year, I, I, I would have probably said that. Yeah, so so they didn't get a big man. Um, I, I guess it, that could be a uh, buyout thing. You know, Robin Lopez is floating around. It would be funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they could get Robin Lopez. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting um, what happens with the Thunder. I mean... Right now, the Thunder are slated to play the Pels in the first round. I think they're going to win that series pretty handedly. Talk about a test, though, against size. Mm-hmm. That's a t- the team that can really impose their size on, on an opposing team is the Pelicans. Valanchunas does not <clears throat> play around. We've seen some really good moments from Zion lately. We all know Zion is a huge, huge man. Um, that would be a super interesting series yeah and then if the standings were to stay which they're not going to the thunder have the nuggets in round two which i think that'd be the end of the road for them oh absolutely yeah 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 it's tough it's tough denver's like non-elite centers in the west are still guys that really like to embrace physicality which is is tough for chet well, yeah. All right. Let's get to the next trade we want to talk about. 76ers? 76ers. All right. They so traded for Buddy Heald. None of us knew where the Sixers were going to go in light of the Embiid injury. So the Sixers got rid of Furkan Korkmaz, who has actually requested to be traded from Philly for a while now. Marcus Morris, three second round picks and $1.5 million. There we go. <laughs> what the heck? <clears throat> um, reaction? How do you feel about Sixers this? Sixers out of shooter. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like you just got to yeah. do it. Like the price was not high at all. So just why not? Yeah. It's an expiring contract. So you still preserve all that cap space. The only people that they, the only thing that they're going to have on their books in this season's next off season's free agency is Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey's cap hold, which is not very big. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, it's kind of just one of these like, all right, the Sixers added, it's it's just hard to evaluate Sixers trades without knowing what, I think the Sixers were kind of screwed where it's like, all right, we're going to grab Buddy Heald because like second round picks, whatever, Furkman Korkmaz, he wants to leave, he doesn't play anyway. And it's like, all right, you're just getting more shooting around Embiid. That's what you always need around Embiid. Yeah, I will say, I think there's a non-zero chance that Buddy Heald can't really play in the playoffs for the 76ers. I, I don't think that maxi buddy healed backcourt is going to be yeah, I was feasible gonna say, defensively. I, yeah, I don't think he's going to play. Like I think Melton's still going to be the big minute two guard just because he's a little bit more lanky, versatile defensively. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of like, weirdly, I like the Sixers holding on to Tobias, seeming mm-hmm. like they'll probably keep him on a better deal next year. I think that's a good move because I think Nurse has really kind of unlocked the best version of Tobias around the Joel Embiid core, I guess for the Sixers, it's just like, it's just tough, man, with Embiid's injury. Like, is he going to play? Is he going to be healthy enough to play in the playoffs? Like, I don't, I, I just don't know what you do if you're them. Yeah. I mean, you just do this. You do very risk adverse trades of it's kind of a roll of the dice of there's talent coming in the door, but it's not going to hamstring us going forward. Um, they're sneaky, a team that could have used a big. Yeah. Yeah. Like Paul Reed, B-ball Paul. I know people love him, but he's a little undersized. I personally am never walking away that impressed, but Paul Reed reminds me. So that's the one other contract that could be guaranteed. But do you know what has to happen for his contract to be guaranteed? No, they have to make the second round. Oh, do you think James, do you think? Paul Reed's contract will be guaranteed <laughs> next offseason. Uh, all right. So the Sixers right now are about four games ahead of the Pacers, the Heat, and the Magic. I feel like they could drop to eight by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Is that crazy? Do you, so for those of you that, that do not remember, Paul Reed was a restricted free agent last offseason, and he signed an offer sheet with the Jazz so Danny Ainge literally went in there and wrote wrote in his contract gets guaranteed if the Sixers make the second round. Say basically saying like I don't think you're going to make the second round Sixers. That's crazy. Oh, that's crazy cuz the Sixers always do make the second round. They just don't make the third one. But yeah, I mean it's tough cuz if the Sixers are in the plan and we'll just for argument's sake say they win the plan like you're looking at a 7 seed against probably the Cavs or the Knicks. Or an eight seed against the Celtics. Oh, oh, any of those are super, super rough. But if there was ever a miracle year for the Sixers, that's true. Embiid comes back with like three weeks left. You you finally beat the the evil Celtics, and all of a sudden, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to do that's, it. That's that's very sports movie. That's very sports say. movie. It's like you're you're having a great year, and every, all the vibes are perfect. And then your star player goes down. Who knows if you're going to be able to get out of this hole that you've been put in. And then you meet up with James Harden in the finals. You have to defeat the ultimate boss of Philadelphia. Um, Yeah. 
coming to a theater near you. Any other trades you want to talk about? Um, are there any other trades? Was Pat Bev part of that trade as well? Pat Bev wasn't. Okay, let, yeah, let's talk about the two other Sixers trades real quick. I didn't really get the Jaden Springer to the Celtics for a second round pick. I thought Jaden Springer is like. Yeah, I don't really get giving the Celtics more bodies. Promising. And it's just like, okay, bye. I really love the Xavier Tillman trade for the Celtics. I think that's like two guys that like could potentially be good down the road. Xavier Tillman, I think, is probably as good as he's going to get. But like could get playoff minutes. Has gotten playoff minutes before. And then Pat Bev going to the <laughs> going to the Bucks. What do you think about that? Uh, man, I mean, we talked about this on the group chat, but like Pat Bev is inevitably going to do like a, the Bucks traded or the Sixers traded me. And now look where they are in the standings and completely ignore the fact that it's because Embiid got hurt and not because he got traded. Um, yeah, I don't really, I'll be honest, Patrick, I don't understand this trade for the Sixers. The, uh, the Pat Bev one. Pat Be- uh, yeah. I don't understand it either. I guess they just, so they're, they're getting campaign in a 2027 second. So, I mean, campaign can play, yeah, you know, he get can, a little bit more scoring. It just feels like you brought in healed. You have Melton, you have Maxi. I don't, I feel like campaign. You don't need him. No. I mean, talk about a, a problematic defensive trio <laughs> campaign, buddy healed and Tyrese Maxi is like, a perfect uh, problematic defensive trio for them. I None of those guys can play together. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's just one of those things where Maury is like, you know what, I think to stop the bleeding in the regular season, instead of trying to boof up the defense a little bit, we just kind of go into try to win shootout type mode Yeah, and just play the best offense we can the rest of the season. Because like, yeah, I mean, as long as Embiid's out, this team is going to be bad defensively because Paul Reed is an undersized big and like they don't really even have a guy behind him. So like... And maybe it really is just a, if we don't want to free fall down the standings too much, we just have to play 500 ball and just play a lot of threes. And that's probably the the thought process. <clears throat> Did you see that um, Pat Bev stole James Harden's flow bar for bar? Well, <laughs> what is this referencing? I'm so Pat confused. Bev on his podcast said. Daryl Morey is a liar. Like, yes, I did see he that. He told me last week that he was not going to trade me. And then he went out and fucking traded me. I yeah. thought that was so funny. <laughs> like, of course, you you take that and you own it yourself. Um, so you're saying that this is a direct response to Joel getting injured. Basically saying, like, since we just lost a bunch of, like, our offensive power, we need more offense now, so we need to, like, get rid of Pat Bev. And I guess, I mean, I think the other part of it is, like, Pat Bev's on a minimum contract, and you can get a second-round pick. We've seen that second-round picks are now a lot more valuable than mm-hmm. what they were when we were young. Okay. So, um, I think that's probably the other <laughs> half of it. Uh, get a little bit of value there. Um. Yeah. All right, other trades I think are interesting. I don't think we'll spend too much time on. Raptors trade Schroeder and Thad Young for Dinwiddie and then release Dinwiddie. So I guess that's just to get off the salary type thing. Kurt Schroeder was not happy that he was not <laughs> starting anymore. And yeah, to, to get off the salary. And then Mark Stein also reported that um, Dinwiddie is more than likely going to go to the Mavs uh, return there. So I guess that's nice for them. Yeah. Um. So one trade, Patrick, we didn't touch on when it happened, but I feel like I want to spend a little bit of time on is the Rockets traded Victor Oladipo on three second round picks for Steven Adams. 
Um, just the Grizzlies giving up Steven Adams, I thought kind of unexpected. I don't know if that's maybe one of those things where they're seeing like, oh, this injury is a lot worse than, you know, because for me and you sitting at the podcast table, it's like, okay, he has this injury. He's expected to be back at this time. But truly, everyone's injury affects him differently. Adams is a bit older. But I think you and I both really like Steven Adams from Memphis, really like kind of like bringing that toughness. The offensive rebounding we talked about is such a huge part of their offense because their offense has struggled in the half court historically. Like, what do you think about that trade for the Grizzlies? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I get it in that I think he's probably not on. I, I mean, maybe he was on the next good Memphis Grizzlies team. I don't know if he was going to be on the next great Memphis Grizzlies team. And the Grizzlies are a team, weirdly, I'm going to say this, and obviously they haven't been that great this year, but they're a team without that many holes. So I think with the draft assets they have, they can afford to spend it them a little bit on finding a long-term answer to that center that might be a little bit cheaper than what Steven Adams is right now. So I guess I, I kind of understand it. I don't think they do that if they're having a normal season, but um, it, it is a gamble. Absolutely. It is a gamble. All right. Any other trade you want to touch on? Um, no, I think I'm more ready to talk about the teams that didn't do anything. Let's start with the Bulls. Yes. Chicago Bulls. I mean, they have the perfect roster. Yeah, I don't. So part of me, there's two, there's two sides of this. I think there is a lot of hubbubaloo. Like, why don't they trade Levine? Why don't they trade DeRozan? And I do think a lot of the other teams are like, I don't want DeMar DeRozan. I think DeMar DeRozan has become oddly, incredibly overvalued as a player because kind of had this little mystical run with the Bulls his first two seasons there. But like, he's on a huge contract. It's a heavy diet of mid-range shots. It's a lot of like self-creation. Like, what contender does he slot into cleanly? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing about DeRozan and why if I was a contender, I would be interested in acquiring him is we've seen time and we've had this question about DeRozan at, of his ability to fit in on, on a winning team as, as a player with his skill set. And I think he's always kind of answered the bell of giving teams what they need. Uh, he's definitely fallen off a little bit, but I think it, he's an expiring contract. Like what, what are you doing? Go like, you're not Are you going to resign him? Yeah. To, like I don't, I, yeah, it's it's kind of tough because I see what you're saying, like it's expiring, but it's like what contender is going to give up 34 million in salary of you know useful players? I don't. I, I think I think a DeRozan trade is really complicated, but where the Bulls maybe I think are making a misstep is like, how do you not trade um, Drummond? Yeah, how do I you not know. like? I know Caruso, you love him. He is a top tier role player, but like, dude, if a contender is willing to give up like future top 10 protected picks like how are you not trading caruso yeah and you're like oh i want to i want to go for the plan that's fine i get that especially if you're the bulls i don't know like apparent like you have a, you're more of a small business with the reinsdorfs than other like billionaire um owned teams but right now you're 14 and a half games back and the teams behind you are the hawks who are 17 games back, the Nets, who are 19 games back, and the Raptors, who we kind of touched on, are 21 games back. 
even if you trade these guys, you're going to make the play in anyways. Yeah. Why no. not get the assets and just give the keys even more over to your young guys who you're apparently building around? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for the Bulls, Kobe White has had an amazing improvement season. Kobe White's been awesome. But like, and I know I don't want to be too dismissive because the Bulls literally were minutes away from preventing the Heat from going on their magical run last year. Like the Bulls were really that close to being the eighth seed and not the Miami Heat last year. But like, I mean, I guess you maybe beat the Hawks. I mean, that's the thing with the Hawks, right? Like one game sample, Trey Young could go crazy or Trey Young could flame out. Like, yeah. I, I, don't I mean, know, that's man. another team that did really well like, for it, themselves out of the play-in last year. Yeah, and you're the nine seed, so you have to win two play-in games. So it's kind of like you're going to roll the dice versus the Hawks, and then, I don't know, man. I know you almost beat the Heat last year, but do-or-die situation, I'm still going to take Jimmy Butler yeah. over yeah, you guys. I, I really doubt you're going to get up to that eight seed. Three games at this point in the season is a lot to overcome. And the Magic are just a more talented team, I think, all around than than the Bulls. I yeah, I don't understand the aversion to just collecting assets as a team, especially when they sneaky have a lot of like NBA players on their team. So even if I even if you trade a guy like DeRozan, I don't think you're gonna drop off that much i i think it's a total loss yeah of a trade like, deadline for them i feel bad for the bulls because a couple years ago they put together this team with lonzo DeRozan, levine vooch and i think a lot of us were like huh like what is that but like and then they were really good they were really really good and then lonzo got hurt and it kind of derailed this really fun what could have been and was for a brief time a really fun era of bulls basketball and it sucks but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes, and you gotta you gotta move on, and you don't wait three years to move on. I'm also surprised that they couldn't get anything for their their smaller end of the bench guys. Like you can't get a second for Tory Craig. No contender wanted Tory Craig. He was really good for the Suns last year in the playoffs. You couldn't get anything for Javon Carter, even like Cash. Like yeah, I think like what's really sad about this whole Bulls thing is like it weirdly goes all the way back to the Jimmy Butler trade. They didn't think Jimmy Butler was the guy. They didn't want to pay him this huge deal that they thought would hamstring their team. Fast forward a couple years, they're in the same situation with Levine, and then they give Levine the contract, but yeah. not Jimmy, the homegrown guy who was actually leading you to the playoffs. On your last great team, team as well. Like, it's this weird, I don't know, man. It's really weird that, like, I feel like this Jimmy Butler thing is going to haunt that franchise for a long time. I guess the, well, I don't think they have their pick this year. I think this is the last one that's that's going to the Magic. So I understand from that aspect. But, you know, at this point, you're not going to get far down anyways. The teams at the bottom are so, so bad. Yeah, you're you're even, I, that's the thing. Like, you could trade a, you could trade a Drummond and a Caruso and like, you'll be worse, but you probably are still going to be the ninth seed or the 10 seed. Yeah, but also that would free up, you know, I got like Dalen Terry. We've barely seen him get any run. There's such a log jam at their guard position. And they have so much young talent. I say that with um, finger quotes there. But yeah, okay, we've talked way too much about the Bulls at this point. Um, okay, I'll give you three <coughs> options. Hawks, Warriors, Lakers. Where you want to go next? Let's go with the Warriors. Okay, Warriors. The Warriors did nothing. They had 
all of their gigantic, ginormous contracts. They held on to all of them, kind of setting up a last dance kind of season for them. What did what did you think? Um, thoughts? I'm not surprised. And I'm not surprised because I don't know who was going to trade for Wiggins. I don't know who was going to trade for Paul. And it seems like given this, this, this situation and Kuminga finally getting more consistent run, playing better, I kind of it kind of makes sense to me that they're holding on to these guys because I feel like trading Kaminga or Moody right now would be a little unwise just given how bad the vets have been. And I think the Warriors are like, this is just a lost season. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I don't think it even necessarily has to be lost quite yet. They're obviously not the contender that some people thought that they might be in the mix to be this year. But six and four in the last 10, they are now tied 10 and a half games back with the Jazz who are in the 10th slot. So potentially making the plan. I think they'll probably be able to jump the Jazz at some point and if they can hold off the rockets we'll be fine just very much setting up a super dramatic summer that i cannot wait to watch unfold for the warriors do you think uh steve kerr is going to be their coach next year i think this this summer is going to be complete roster turnover i think clay is going to be gone kerr is going to be gone i mean it's it's time for the new era of not not the post curry era just the new era Featuring Curry of Warriors yeah. basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it just has to be that way. It, I just, what I don't understand about the Warriors, like I really don't understand about the Warriors, is like I know Jordan Poole was a disaster in the playoffs last year. Like really hurt them in that Lakers series. But this like you saw you lose a series because of size. And you're you just switched out your backup guard. Like you upgrade the backup guard. But like. You like how do you go? I, that's why. That's why I was really low on the Warriors entering the season. Is how do you see that your team lost in team in you know in this fashion? And you go, let's just not address the way we lost and just go ahead and just assume. Oh, this year will be better. Like you have an aging team. You didn't add any size. Like you're just setting yourself up to lose to a Lakers or a Nuggets again. Like what? What was the thought process over this this past summer? As I I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that they would have the pieces to be a pretty good regular season team, especially with the addition of Chris Paul, which has worked out. By the way, the Chris Paul. Any way that you look at the Chris Paul stats, he's been way Warriors, better than Poole has. He's been really really good for them. But one, the Draymond stuff has been just debilitating. They've had a lot of injuries, but I think something that nobody really talks about is Kevon Looney has just not been effective for them this season, which he, the <laughs> last two years has, especially in that um, finals run, Kevon Looney was absolutely incredible and they were able to play real effective two big lineups for the really the first time in this iteration of the Warriors and that didn't last long and now they have less they only have one big that is really playable at all so uh yeah definitely rough time to be a Warriors fan a lot of huge question marks going forward uh and I don't I don't know you, you just at this point you just got to roll the dice and hope that the talent that was sucked out by the in What's that? Space Jam is 
given back to all their players. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think for the Warriors, I'm I I want to I want I do want to assume they try to trade some of these guys, especially Wiggins. I just don't know what team is like. Yeah, we'll take Wiggins' contract. I think the other thing with Wiggins is like I think they probably could have traded him, but they wouldn't have gotten like positive assets. I think they maybe could have even traded him without adding on assets, but they just would have gotten you know nothing also back bad for stuff. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another team to not make a move was the Lakers. I, 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 we've talked so much about the Lakers. I'm like annoyed. Like last night, there's like I, I'm watching the Nuggets game. Rui's on the court. Things are going well. They're catching back up, and then all of a sudden, I see Torian Prince again. I'm like, ah, we're getting Darvin Hammed again. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers. So they're six and four in their last ten games. 13th best offensive rating. 19th best defensive rating. So that's it's kind of flip-flopped what they have been recently. But I guess the whole, everything that we've been sold is D'Angelo Russell's back, baby. He's averaged 23 points over the last 10 games, six assists, or actually at the last 15 games, but which is kind of when they've turned things around. But a little dubious at the sustainability because D'Lo, still a guy that does not get to the rim at all, is shooting 46% from three over those last 15 games. So I'm wondering, that's obviously going to come down. How far does it have to stay up to be able to sustain this offense? Because if they can be the 13th best offense, when AD's back in full form, it can be a real team, I think, and and kind of a low-key contendery team. But it's got to stay there. Yeah, I mean, as long as D'Lo's, you know, shooting well, it helps. But I honestly, like, I, Ham, man. Like, Ham has to go. Like Ham's not going anywhere. The, the thing with the Lakers, like, so last night was their third straight game of not starting Torian Prince. Unsurprisingly, they've won their last two games and honestly could have won last night against Denver, the team that's kind of been their boogeyman team now. Like... The thing with Prince is on paper, it makes sense. You're like, oh, a wing. He's kind of tall. He can shoot threes. But you actually watch Laker games. This guy has awful shot selection. He's a really bad defensive player. And it's just like, it's just, the Lakers just, I feel like they could just make a lot of easy adjustments with their lineups and just be a better team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they could be, like, Rui's better than Torian Prince. Like, why is Rui not playing? Like, last night, there was a lot of he possessions. He started last night. But, like, he's not closing is what I don't get. Like, there's a lot of possessions last night when Rui's on the court where all of a sudden Rui switched onto a guy who's, like, maybe a scrawnier three, like a Peyton Watson. And it's like, oh, my God, you can just bully this guy. And, like, I know Rui is not the answer. Just like when they put Rui on Jokic last year, it wasn't the answer either. But it's like, I don't understand why it's like, I just don't understand, like, what Darvin Ham is doing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the the Lakers roster-wise are built like a super team with three superstars and they have two superstars. And when you're in that position, making little roster mistakes, like playing Torian Pritz a lot, really, really hurts because the guys behind him also suck you know and there's not really you get an amazing game from jackson hayes but most of the time it's not gonna be like that you you know so you you don't really have big man depth behind ad you don't really have wing depth depth behind um lebron the one place where i think you actually have positives 
positive depth is the guard position for the Lakers. And to be honest, that's probably the least important thing uh, of any of the positional groups because at the end of the day, I want the ball in LeBron James's hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, on LeBron, so the Vanderbilt injury is weird because I think a lot of the early reporting is he's going to miss the rest of the season. On the broadcast last night, they said he was going to be out a month. Yeah, there's a lot of mixed. I think it's kind of like month, reevaluate. If things go really well, he'll be back a week after that things go really bad. Maybe he's not coming back to the playoffs, but either way, there isn't much of the season left. Yeah. I, I, I personally, I think I might find this might be really naive. I still think there's kind of a good team hidden in this Lakers team. <laughs> like Davis is every Laker game. I watch Anthony Davis has been just amazing. He's been playing. LeBron's been great. Like Reeves has really picked it up lately. Reeves looks awesome. Like love Reeves and Love like, Reeves. When they play the lineups that worked last year, they still work this year. So, like, I don't know. Seems like there's a team that is good hidden in this mess of a Lakers season. Yeah, I mean, I stand by what I said at that, like, trending up, trending down pod. This is a bottom of the play-in team. And, but it's a a rare bottom of the play-in team that has the upside to win one, maybe two playoff series if they get the right matchups and if they get really good series. So as long as they put themselves in that position and can win the play-in, which is not going to be easy, you know, they might have to play a Luka Doncic in the first play-in matchup. Yeah, no, that's what I'm looking at right now. The play-in right now is Kings-Mavs and then Lakers-Jazz. So if the Lakers beat the Jazz, they either have the Mavs or the Kings. And if they draw the Mavs, I'm going to be a little shook. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely choose the Mavs in that in that situation. And then... You would choose the Mavs. Against the Lakers? Probably. For a oh, one-game oh, thing. I thought you were saying if you were the Lakers, you would choose to play oh, the no, Mavs. Oh, no, 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 Okay, okay. <laughs> and, and then it's like, okay, like, let's have a legacy one-game grudge match against Steph Curry. Like, how is this... How's this going to go? It's scary. Scary yeah. times. Scary for, times. For the Lakers. Um, okay, the last team that we have on our list. Do you have anything else to say about the Lakers? No. Last thing, <laughs> last team we have on our list, a team that we have talked about so much, and I think this might be the last time we talk about them this season, the Atlanta Hawks. They did not make one trade. They did not trade DeJounte Murray. They did not trade Clint Capella. They did not trade Sadiq Bey. What do you think? Um, four and six in the last 10 games. I think the Hawks are, so they're, they're a lot like the bulls. They wear red jerseys. <laughs> they're in the <laughs> Eastern you. conference playoffs. That is true. play in apologies. They, uh, haven't been going anywhere for a couple years now. Um, well, you know, let's see just three years ago. Uh, they were in the Eastern conference finals. They both, um, they both have five letters in their team name. I mean, I don't know where this. Let me tell. Like, what I, is this Bull South? Like I'm a little like what was the plan? Whoa. That is so that that I would take that as an insult if I was a Hawks fan. Why they, the Bulls are better than them? Their record wise, <laughs> the are better than them. But right the now. Hawks have better players. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, that's not translating to wins, but it's not translating the wins. Yeah, I, I just. It made it really from an asset perspective in the marketplace. There didn't exist the enough 
you know, payment for a DeJounte Murray-like talent. So I think it was very brave of them and forward-thinking of them to just hold on to him. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? Who knows? Maybe they pushed the Celtics to six games and almost pushed them to seven games last year in the first round. Um, And I think that's probably best-case scenario for this season again. And then you just reassess everything in the offseason. Yeah, I... I don't know, man. The Hawks. I I think this kind of goes back to our discussion on DeJounte Murray, where I think every single team's evaluation of him is probably a wide range. Because like when me and you debated DeJounte Murray, me and you both had very different opinions on it. And I could kind of see that probably being the case with the rest of the NBA. Like the Lakers were like, no, we're not going to give you Austin Reeves. And the Hawks were like, but it's DeJounte Murray. And it's like that stare down. Right. And it's kind of like that weird thing where it's like, I don't know. It's one of those weird things where I feel like his value has gone down since the Hawks traded for him, but they gave up a lot for him. So they're not just going to take a huge L on it, especially if they can wait. I think that's to your point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I I guess with the Hawks, though, you got to say, like, what trade were they going to make that was going to pull vault them forward? Right. It would it would have had to have been this type of trade where you're trading Murray for assets and then. You know, you're just hoping maybe you can kind of parlay that into a bigger move down the road. But, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think it's it's tough with the Hawks because, like, you know, if a couple of years ago you're like, what do you want to surround Trey Young with? You're probably saying, like, you know, big wings who can really defend, kind of play good help defense, like a DeAndre Hunter. But then you draft a DeAndre Hunter, you pay him, and he's just not quite – he's not quite the guy. Yeah, but you're you're going after the right archetype of players. If you're the Hawks, they found someone in Jalen Johnson. Yeah, like it feels like the Hawks do have a good sense of like knowing what to do, but they've been a little unlucky in how some of these guys have panned out. I kind of feel like absolutely, absolutely. Like Onyeka Okongwu, I actually thought should have gone number two in that draft ahead of Wiseman. Um, Obviously, I don't know if he's the second best player in that draft, so I'll take an L there. But like. I love that pick for them at the time, so I can't really fault the Hawks too much to how they got into this position, but it just feels like it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, it, it definitely hasn't, but you know what? I feel kind of similarly about where the Hawks are right now with where the Timberwolves were last season. It was like, you know, they had had their coach. They got their coach in midseason the season before. This was their first full season kind of getting into that that system. And I don't think they really had the adults in the room and the right fits around their deeply flawed but superstars on their roster. So going into the offseason, I think they can adjust. You at least have identified four guys that are definitely going to be huge parts if you keep them of your future in Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Jalen Johnson and Okongwu and that you've got a lot of money that you can kind of play around with. You open up another pick in the off season. So if you want to go all in, in that sense, you can, but you don't have to. And then I don't know, you just roll the dice. You see if, um, Quint, you, you see if that can work out with Quinn Snyder and yeah. And, and then if everything goes really, really bad in the off season, you don't have to just think about trading DeJounte Murray. 
You can also think about trading Trey Young if that mm-hmm. is where you want to go. Is where you want to go. Let's go Bulls South. Bulls South. All right. Hey, last year's Timberwolves though, forty-two and forty. There we go. There we go. Yeah, and I mean, what are the what are the Hawks at right now? Twenty-two and twenty-nine. Okay. They can they can get around there. Yeah. Comparable. If they make it to 42 wins, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. I'll drink like five shots to start a podcast if they can get to 42 hey, wins. bad teams always rack up their wins at the end of the year. Yeah. Ooh, the Hawks were 41 and 41 last year. Mm. It is weird that they're this much worse with Jalen Johnson emerging. Yeah, well, you got to remember Jalen Johnson missed a lot of, of games. And I, yeah. I didn't pull the stat, but with Jalen Johnson in their lineup... They have a, I think they have a positive um, record, but um, I don't know. I really yeah. like Jalen Johnson. Like he is like the perfect guy next to Trey, in my opinion. Can guard, has got size, very athletic. All right, so I guess maybe all three of us. Now that the trade deadline has passed, we've seen about sixty percent of the NBA season. Assuming there's no further injuries to any of these teams. Who's your guys' picks to win the conferences? Who wants to go first? I, I, I think <laughs> I, I'm still going to ride with the Celtics in the East. Yeah, I, I think I'm with the, the, Celtics the, the, too. the amount of talent is just overwhelming. If I was a Celtics fan, I would be kind of nervous about a Knicks matchup. Yeah, I would be nervous just about because a Knicks the Knicks well. kind of fit this profile of the Heat in that it feels like they're the type of team that can kind of mentally drain on a team. Um, so I'm going with the Celtics in the East. I'm still rolling with the Nuggets in the West. I still think Jokic is just an unsolvable problem for all the other teams. Um, Max, how are you feeling about the East before we go full on? I think the West is more of the conversation. Um, I think it's probably going to be the Celtics, but I will say that I would love to see the Knicks just have like a miracle miracle run. Yeah, Yeah. that would be so fun. We are absolutely in the same place. All All Celtics. Yeah. 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 All Celtics. Okay. In the West, I am a full Clippers believer. Whoa. I am a full Clippers believer at this point in the season. Just the the iso ball that that this team can play is really something that we have only seen a few times in NBA history, this level of talent. I love how James Harden's playing right now. Really the the full the like best teammate version of him that we've seen in in forever. And then Kawhi freaking Leonard. He's good. He's so good. He's so good. I think they, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that they could take out Jamal Murray from a playoff series in a way that most teams could not. Maybe only the Celtics could. And then it's like, of course, you're going to get burned by Jokic, but every team is. And then from there, it's just the other guys who's going to step up and I just think the Clippers are so deep. I yeah, I think they're they're a problem, and they're they're my favorites to to get out of the West right now. Me? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have to say the Timberwolves. In hey. The West. Like I have to manifest this. <laughs> there you go. But the other thing is, uh, just judging on you know Clippers seasons of the past, somebody's gonna go down in a couple weeks. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Max. I, I'm only dealing with what I've got that's true. right the in front of me. The premise was no one gets hurt. Okay, sorry. If we're saying nobody gets hurt, then uh, 
yeah, yeah, I don't know. I th- I really think that the Timberwolves have a great shot this year. Uh, but if it's not them, I think the Clippers are are just number one with the bullet right now. It's crazy. Obviously, there's like uh, once Jokic and Murray go into like game time mode, it's kind of over for everybody. But it's one of those three teams I really think. Are, yeah, are, yeah. Are the Nuggets are a team that we didn't talk about today, but the, another team that didn't do not one thing and. The bench is a concern. Like, it's the bench concern. is not great. I was just high on the Nuggets, man. Just, like, Jokic is just, I don't know, man. He hit, like, two, like, baby sky hooks over Anthony Davis last mm-hmm. night. And, like, literally the camera pans to Anthony, and he's just laughing. Yeah, Because he's yeah. like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this guy. Like, I've tried everything. No, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> like, so sick. He's yeah, so sick. And don't Jamal Murray, wrong. man, it's, like, weird. Like, he doesn't do anything super flashy, but they run that little two-man game, and he's just wide open. Mm-hmm. every time <laughs> like i don't i just i think the nuggets and i love like aaron gordon too for any matchup against yeah. teams with super powered wings like yeah. i i feel like the nuggets are just built so well they like, definitely have the best guy to throw at Kawhi uh, of, of any of the teams in the west yeah and i like that caldwell pope's a great defender porter jr's not the best defender but like he's 610 he, he's big like mpj is a lot better than i think his reputation yeah. as far as a defender he had in last postseason he had some really really great um plays against book and against katie even though they were cooking all right max last timberwolves question though yeah just because now i'm realizing how scary this is Mm -hmm. would you rather play the mavericks or the lakers in the first round i say give us the lakers oh yeah okay because i want a rematch of the play-in game yeah last year um that was last year right um yeah, I want a rematch because I think we got him this time. Like, easy. But can I say, we're having this this whole conversation, and I haven't brought up the Suns, so I have to bring them up right now. <laughs> Contractually, yeah. you're obligated. Contractually, <laughs> I am contract. obligated. It's in my contract. <laughs> the Suns are a contender, and they were my finals pick before the year, and I am feeling the best I've felt about it all year. This team has a real playoff rotation now. The Bull Bull signing somehow is like just all of the sudden out of thin air is give Isaiah working. Thomas an apology. Hey, Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah, IT, my, Zeke, dude, I, I am so sorry. The Suns over the last 15 games have the best offensive rating in the league, 122.8. And yeah, I just 17 and six since that absolute disaster of a Christmas Day game. The Suns. The Suns are not going to be an easy out in, in the playoffs. Oh, man. I really hope Clippers stay at four. Oh, I, I want no part of the Clippers. No, oh, but I want Clippers Suns. That'll be a fun series. I, I'll take it. I'll take it in the in the conference finals. I'll take it in the conference finals. Are we doing hot streak shooting slump? Hot streak shooting slump. Okay. We're doing hot streak shooting slump. All right. Uh, I would say I'm on a hot streak. There we go. I, I had Why a good week. You know, I got some good workouts in. I finally got to play some basketball the other day. I haven't played forever. I, I love playing basketball. Um, you know, I don't know why I'm on a hot streak, to be honest. I just, I'm having a good, having a good, uh, good, uh, good day. There we good, go. Good week. You know, I'm trying to think what, you know, I've been, I've been eating. I've been, I don't know. I honestly don't know why. I just feel like I'm not on a shooting slump. I ate, I slept. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I guess I kind of just had a very mundane week and like week of my life. And, uh, no, you know what? The rain sucked. For those yeah. of you who don't know, LA is experiencing an atmospheric river. Atmospheric yes. river. The pineapple express, baby. Can I, can I admit something bad? Yeah. 
So I was telling my East Coast friends about the atmospheric rivers. Like apparently it's going to rain a lot. And so it rained a lot. And then uh, my friends asked how it was. And I said, we survived the hurricane earthquake combo. We survived the atmospheric river. Mother nature, bring it on. The next day it rained so freaking hard. I could barely see. God smited you. It was raining on Wednesday night. It rained so hard. Like insanely hard here in LA. Like ridiculous. Like, I don't know. It was very scary to drive back to LA from, from over here. Yeah, there was a time where I was driving home from the city on Tuesday. I think I experienced what you guys experienced. I couldn't see more than 15 feet in front of me on the freeway because the thing with LA is we get a lot of uh, fog and mist and that was combined with the rain for some pretty uh, hellish conditions on the freeway. Yeah, you're just praying that you can keep eyes on the lights that in are front in view. front of you. Yeah. Um, but you know what, Mother Nature? Bring it on. Bring it on. You threw yes. a hurricane at us. We beat it. You I threw an earthquake at us the same day. We crushed it. You threw an atmospheric river at us. Bro. <laughs> we got the LA river. People think LA people are soft. Yeah, we beat everything they throw at us. You don't even us. know. You yeah. don't even we're, know. We're you're undefeated. Get, you're going to get struck by lightning tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> LA's undefeated, bro. Mother Nature can't take us down. Yeah, I would say that I've had a bit of a shooting slump, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of the rain. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the I, rain has sucked. It sucked really bad. And I'm a guy, I, I commute an hour to work every day. So just like right off the top going, I had to go to work early, like three days this week just Oof. for random stuff. So just like fighting through the rain while I'm like, falling asleep at the wheel i've only got one working windshield wiper he's just sweating all the way through these these drives uh but generally it hasn't been too bad but it's just been like a really really busy week and i did not need all of this this rain of this week of all weeks but um Pro, yeah. pro tip, go to the Jiffy Lube on uh, Sunset Boulevard and get some new windshield wipers. You say They'll say, do you want the cheap ones or the expensive ones? Say that you want the expensive ones. And then the guy at the counter will give you them for the price of the cheap ones because nobody's buying the expensive ones, apparently. Wow. That's that's what happened to me. I don't know if that's going to happen. Do for I have too. to like write down your name on like, a <laughs> yeah. piece of paper and like slide it across? Max the desk. said that you would give me these for hey, a cheaper you, price. You know Max, right? <laughs> you helped out Max with his windshield wipers. <laughs> the guy with the Taco Bell hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Max, how was how was your week? Um, I'm on a streak. I had a pretty decent week. Yeah. Nice. Uh, It was raining here, but like up on the central coast of California near like San Luis Obispo, it wasn't really raining that much. Yeah. You went on a little road trip? Yeah. So me and my girlfriend just escaped the rain for like a day. Uh, we went up to San Luis Obispo. We stayed at this cool hotel called the Madonna Inn. Um, it's like super kitschy, like funky little hotel where all the rooms have like different themes to them. Oh, cool. um, what was the theme of your room? Um, it was called the Rendezvous Room, which sounds Ooh. sounds horny. Hell not gonna lie. yeah, dude! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it just had like crazy wallpaper and like a chandelier, and like it was cool. Um, and then we went to Morro Bay, which is right by where you can see like uh, uh, ocean otters in the wild. Ocean otters? Yeah, yeah. So my girlfriend really wanted to see the otters, yeah. and she did, and she cried immediately. <laughs> which the was kittens of the sea? Literally, yeah. 
which huge dub for me. I'm not yeah, like I, I provided her uh, with that experience. Is everyone taking notes? <laughs> if you want to make your lady happy, take her to go see some ocean <laughs> otters. Ladies love otters, man. What can I say? Uh, but no, it was a nice little getaway, and uh, you know, it was a pretty decent week. And also, I'm one of those weird people that likes rain. So, blast me in the comments. Fine. Ooh. No, I, we're definitely in the minority here. I feel like most people like rain. I vehemently disagree. I think most people dislike rain. Or does everyone just lie to me and they're like, oh, yeah, I love the rain. I, you I know what I think it rain. is? And I, I understand this. I think some people, this is a weird thing because I know some people get made fun of for saying this, but I feel them on this. I think some people like that kind of vibe of it raining outside and you're kind of like inside and you're kind of cozy. It's like a screensaver. It's like a screensaver vibe. I kind of get it. Like, I don't know, man, when it's raining outside, I kind of like, for whatever reason, it makes me want to play like Xbox, like not, not on my PC. I don't want to play like a computer. I want to play like console games, like, you know, cozy on the couch. Yeah. I just feel like if you're not going outside in the weather, you're not allowed to have like a opinion on how much you like the weather. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Like it's rain is great. If you're able to just snuggle up on the couch with like, you know, Netflix or video games or whatever. And just like, you know, listen to jazz music. Like what's the difference from watching the, the rain outside to like just watching TV. Like, Oh, I love tornadoes. I just watch them on my TV. Like literally, like you don't love the rain. Yeah, yeah, no. You just like the look of the rain outside. Yo, yeah. shout out tornadoes, bro. I'm gonna make that my new identity. <laughs> Bring it on, Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah, if if anyone is wondering what to put on your uh, Tinder bio to get a to get some action going forward for this uh, Valentine's Day season, ladies love tornadoes. Dude. Tornadoes and otters. Take them for a spin, bro. Yeah. <laughs> There we go. That's that's Riz it's a good right tagline. there. That's a yeah. good tagline. Um, for tornadoes. I guess before we go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Do we have a Super Bowl picks? Ooh. I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I got I to gotta back up my fellow Patrick. I'm going to take the Niners just to be a... Contrarian? Contrarian. Okay. Fuck the Niners, man. <laughs> inner, inner division rivals with my Arizona Cardinals. Oh, you know what? I Sorry, I'm a little late on this. I, You know why I had a hot streak? Arius Bailey. This <laughs> man, he's the number two high school prospect right now. Should be number one. My man threw down an alley-oop windmill and won. <laughs> Yeah, he got fouled doing an alley-oop absolutely windmill. filthy. Literally almost jumped over another kid. Going to Rutgers next year. And Rutgers, we are winning the freaking March Madness next year, bro. We are going to dominate. I'm so hyped. USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten next year. They're going to be our pawns, bro. We are going to own them. Yeah, so I cannot wait w- to make fun of all the locals when Rutgers comes to town. If you want to meet Jidel in person, he will be first in line waiting outside of the Galen Center when Rutgers yep. comes out to L.A. Oh, we own college basketball, bro. It's done. It's over. And Mill will and Mill and and one alley. <laughs> we have to make up a new term for what this is. Bro, have you ever heard all those words in the same sentence? No, you have to coin whatever that combination is called. It's the He's the, the Anvil goat. Hammer. Arius Bailey <laughs> is the GOAT, bro. He's Kevin Durant with more athleticism. He's so fucking awesome. I can't wait to see him play for the Scarlet. Wait, so are you saying KD is the GOAT then? He's oh. in the combo. Oh! <laughs> there we go! <laughs> All right, we'll catch you guys on Monday. Peace.